All right. I want to do a round of is this anything? Uh-oh. Okay. Okay. Because I have I have something and I need and I don't just say it like you always do. Uh-huh. Right. <laughs> just listen and think about it. Okay. okay. Mayonetta. All right. Is that anything? Let's dive in. So this is um, a witch who applies sandwich toppings. Is that about maybe each of the four guns, two for the hands, two for the feet. Each one does it different. There's like ketchup. There's a mustard. There's obviously a mayo. There's a relish. Yeah, but why would a mayo only be 25% of her abilities if her name is Mayonetta? So four mayo guns. Wow. I mean, aren't different. there different? Yeah, you could have like a spicy mayo or like. I gotta say, Russ, even for you, that's a lot of mayonnaise. It does seem like a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you're a mayonnaise fan or not, Russ, but I, I love mayo. That, I love yeah, it. That's, yeah, that's that's yeah, the, yeah, maybe yeah, the least yeah, surprising yeah, yeah, thing yeah. I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's good. That's good, Juice. I think you got. I think you're onto something here. Is it something? I just yeah, want to confirm. Sure. Uh, you weren't talking about the Mayo Clinic, so it's not like about like uh, oh no, diabetes no, or like no, maybe some orthopedic surgery. Okay. Like that does seem like it's gonna fly off the shelves. That is very tempting, but yeah, I, I mean she's probably, she's a very tall woman wearing high heels. I imagine she could use some orthopedic support. Maybe. Yeah. Is, what about Prayonetta? I was just about to say Prayonetta, Justin. It's like if if you know it, it, sometimes. Our church would do like mm. Pokemon, more like Preymon. Usually yeah. they would just or sort the of- Or the Bible uh, Adventures NES game. Bible Adventures just... NES was huge. So like Preyonetta would not be a video game, but it would be like a <laughs> skit or a sketch yeah, like, that the church drama group would do. Like, what's wrong, Preyonetta? Mm. Well, I've lost all sense of purpose, <laughs> and I just don't want to kill any more beasts. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, maybe the beast is inside of you because That's of good. Jesus. That's cool. Pray for it's funny yeah. that she would be called Prayonetta even before she would became religious. Like, huh. okay, so you haven't been okay. Uh, you, been, you know what I'm saying? You're like, confused about uh, Prayonetta sounds like prayer. Yeah, wasn't yeah, that right. the joke you were making? Yeah, but yeah, I, yeah. But sure what I'm saying is, she, you're saying in the passion play, she realizes maybe all this violence Ooh, no, with it's my hair. Like a, it's really play. more of a cantata. All right, yeah, a, pa- a pageant. <laughs> there are so many weird names for Easter shows. It's just the Easter musical. Yeah, man. Fuck. We are really narrow casting right now. My name is Justin McElroy, and I know the best game of the week. My name is Griffin McElroy. I know the best game of the week. My name is Christopher Thomas Plant, and I know the best game of the week. My name is Ross Frustrating, and I know the best game of the week. Welcome to The Besties, where we talk about the latest and greatest in home interactive entertainment. It's a game of the year show that goes all year long. And uh, today, we are going to be talking about... Bayonetta 3, the long-awaited, was it seven years, eight years, something like that? Bayonetta 3, but what, But Chris, 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 what is Bayonetta? Bayonetta is an action game where you're a witch who kicks ass and fights demons, uh, kind of like Ninja Gaiden, or 
Ninja Gaiden or Devil May Cry. That's a good comparison. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and uh, and the old DMC like Grandpa used to make it, it, the it, classic. You know what? You know what this game was? It was a game that came out on the Wii and it was like, but what if the Wii wasn't for Grandpa? Interesting. Not yeah. sure how you got there, but no. Well, I guess that's oh, what the conversation is. It's like a core. It's like a core hardcore game that yeah. came out. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk. We'll talk about it later. You go get a phone. You just want a phone. Talk to your friends and family. You're not asking so much. Then you get these contracts, and you get ripped off because they got all this fine print, little details, and all of a sudden. They're sucking money out of your pocket like some sort of digital leech. You know, the contract may sound good uh, up front, but there's always some sort of catch. You know who's not going to do that to you? Not going to pull that nonsense? Mint Mobile. Their wireless plans, there is no catch. $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those savings directly on to you. You want to pay hundreds of dollars for, like, literal hundreds of dollars for your wireless plan? Or do you want to have a nice, easy solution, save some, put the bucks back in your pocket, pay 15 bucks a month? Say bye to your overpriced wireless plan's jaw-dropping monthly bills. The unexpected overages sound familiar? To get this new customer offer and get your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, Go to mintmobile.com slash besties. That's mintmobile.com slash besties. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash besties. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Okay, Bayonetta 3. Many say it's the third one. (laughs) (laughs) You'd be right. Hey, it would be correct. Griffin, can you bring us up to speed on the sort of overall plot? Of oh, the- yeah, <laughs> man, I'd fucking love to. So Bayonetta, uh, a.k.a. Serezza, is, uh, is a witch, and she, God almighty, in a first game, uh, she fights angels using demon. Man, there's no fucking way. I've played all these games. I've, I finished the first two Bayonetta games. A gun to my head. Four guns to my head, I can tell you. <laughs> Uh, exactly what's going on here because the plot of the game is not particularly important. Uh, there are you're a you're a dark witch who's like sort of sandwiched between the sides Sandwich. of the angels and the sides of the demons, uh, mostly I would say on the demons. Uh, and you are just trying to sort of fight to save the real world from this like this this crazy war that's happening between the the heavens and hell. And in this game. The multiverse, mm-hmm. uh, and there's like a returning cast of characters. Foes become friends. Friends become foes. Uh, all you really need to know is that Bayonetta is the most like precocious and unstoppable sort of force uh, that exists in these games, uh, and uh, just sort of like let the rest of it kind of wash wash over you, uh, and and you'll be good. Yeah, she's like a fun loving action hero and uh wild shit happens around her and she sort of bats an eye but doesn't really care and i mean she cares about humanity but she doesn't care about like nothing phases her she's kind of more like demigod like yeah i would say in presentation it's not really about the threat to bayonetta usually yeah Yeah. Uh, 
Uh, uh, which is what part of what feels weird when you start getting lollipops that heal your energy. It's like, I don't need this. I'm bandana. What are they going to do? Like, you can't do anything to me. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I think kind of like a Dom Toretto is like thank you. the energy that she has. You know, like it, it's going to work out. And not only is it going to work out, she's going to make friends along the way. You know, like she eventually does make everyone succumbs to the greatness and joy that is the Bayonetta cause. Yeah. And if it doesn't, she puts their, like, her shoe on their neck and, and crushes them, them to death, which they yeah. probably like. They probably do like that. Uh, it, she's honestly just a vehicle for Platinum Games and uh, Hideki Kamiya's, like, over-the-top just action nonsense. Uh, and, and, and carries that role, I would say, exceptionally well, maybe more than ever in Bayonetta 3, which I did not think was possible. Uh, it has. It's been eight years since Bayonetta two come, wow. came out, which is wild. Uh, it was announced in 2012 during a Nintendo Direct for the Wii U, which is <laughs> really, really something. Wow. Oh, I, uh, I think that's where they put like a whole bunch of logos on the screen, and they were like, "We promise we have games coming for this." Yeah, and everybody's like, "Do you? Do you though?" Uh, let's let's talk about Bayonetta three because I feel like this franchise has been around for. 13 years and so folks kind of know what they're getting into if you have played any platinum games game i would say if you have played devil may cry if you've played near automata if you have played astral chain yep. most recently i think there's actually a shocking amount of astral chain dna in bayonetta 3 which i'm delighted by because that game fucking rips uh th- this is this is i think a very logical evolution of like the type of shit that Platinum Games gets up to in their games, which is to say, like, hugely stylish, combo-based, fluid, uh, like, combat sequences punctuated by some of the most, like, bonkers cutscenes uh, that I think video games can possibly offer to people who play video games. Yeah, it's uh, actually interesting because the... You know, it is hugely stylish and weird and interesting and the costumes are are amazing and everything is like very over the top. But their game design tenants have been like kind of pretty consistent, especially with Bayonetta, but even across all Platinum Games games, like they all feel kind of in the same ballpark. Um, They all like revolve around the like last minute dodge, slow down time and then fucking go ham after it. Um, which has never really clicked for me. It's like a personal taste thing, but I, they feel good. I like, they don't feel bad. It's just interesting that they haven't, it doesn't feel like they've evolved the gameplay side of these games that much. What do you guys think? Yeah. I, mm, I don't know. So the, so the big thing in this game is if you've played past Bayonetta games, okay, maybe we should start here. If you've not played past Bayonetta games, she's got Range weapons, guns, she's got mm. uh, melee combat, and you weave those together. Uh, you get a bunch of different types of weapons that spice things up, and then after you beat the shit out of a big uh, angel or demon, then you go into a like super over-the-top climax finisher, essentially. Uh, there's witch... Uh, what's it called? Witch, witch time. time. Yeah. Witch time. You can dodge attacks. If you dodge it perfectly, you slow down time like dramatically, and then you can just like unabated just beat ass for a, for a while and fights uh, in, take take place kind of like in arenas they're not like yeah, just more big open world where you can go everywhere yeah yeah i would say bayonetta 3 is more open yeah. world than it has been in in past games but but mostly we are talking about a sequence of 
uh, of battles for which you are graded and awarded medals and currencies with which to upgrade Bayonetta's like different stats and and uh, unlock new shit. Uh, in Bayonetta 3, and this is where sort of the Astral Chain DNA comes in, and I would say is sort of the biggest change, uh, you can summon the demons that uh, traditionally you would only kind of see as those like over-the-top climax moves that were essentially pre-canned finisher cutscenes. Um, now you can like directly control them in battle just by holding in left trigger. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can kind of queue up two moves at a time. They're sort of slow and lumbering, but they do huge amounts of damage and sometimes like are required when you get in these like kaiju battles. Um, and what's really neat is that you can pop a demon out, you know, queue up a couple of moves and then sort of like let go of the trigger and be in control of Bayonetta for a while. And you can either just sort of take off with her from there and, you know, get, get right back into combat. Or you can kind of get in this pattern where you queue up a couple moves, switch back to Bayonetta, do some Bayonetta fights when, the, you know, you have a free move slot open in the queue. You switch back to Demon Control to, like, attack another one on there, then back to Bayonetta. Um, and when I'd heard about that and seen it in trailers and, and read about it and stuff, I thought that it was going to ruin the game. Like, Am- I thought it was amazing. going to... You- your prognosticating was right on the money. That oh was fantastic, wow! Griffin. I disagree wholeheartedly. I think it's. I think it fits. I think it slots into combat really, really well. And I think once you get used to it, uh, it's just like a kind of a third heat that uh, I I am honestly glad for because character action games get a little mind numbing mm, for me after yeah. a while, even ones that are as like spectacular as the Bayonetta series has been. And this, I think, has like added an, uh, a, a layer of complexity to the combat that I I really like. And uh, Juice, I, I'm curious to hear why you didn't. I don't like the, for me, it uh, really felt like it interrupted the flow. I, li- I like the idea of like one character that I'm controlling and being able to like be uh, on top of where she is in the environment and balancing the different enemies and stuff like that. Um, so flow wise, I, I thought it felt bad. It also feels bad to go from a This is all don't uh, I'm not going to keep saying for me. Right. But this is it feels bad to be in control of a character who is so fluid and responsive and then go to these kind of like bigger, more sluggish guys that are uh, I mean, obviously taking your your responses a lot more slowly because they're big lumbering monsters. I also really didn't like how the camera behaved during those segments. I mean, even though you are in control of the monster or demon while you're holding in the trigger, the camera is not moving to accommodate that in a great way. So a lot of times you're like plugging in these attacks, trying to figure out the right way to to angle your your uh, demon. and But all you're really seeing is like, Naked bayonetta and demon feet. And you see that through a lot of the, a yeah. Lot, there's a lot of people lot of though the, who are just okay with that. Just okay with that. It hits the proverbial spot. We should uh, but, we should mention that's only though when you are playing as bayonetta because there are there's so many times where that won't be true. Yeah. Sometimes you you play as a new character named Viola. Who, if you played, was it Devil May Cry Five that introduced like Nero and not introduced, but like let you play as as uh, it was Nero whatever the last one was. I don't, I can't. The reboot, I think it was DMC. DMC, I want to say, yeah. yeah. Was it DMC? No, I think there was another Devil. Well, anyway, the most recent, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it, she is a totally different character with like a a a different feel. She has a demon who is the Cheshire Cat, who may be my favorite character <laughs> in addition to the game. Uh, just this huge. 
just silly demon cat who rides around on a big uh, uh, what a penny penny cycle. What are those things? Yeah, those old timey big, big wheel in front bicycles. Yeah, penny farthing <laughs> bicycle. Uh, and is more automated. So with her, you just more focus on the the beating ass, and I I like that part too. Sometimes you play as Jean in some truly bizarre side-scrolling stealth sequences. Uh, sometimes, you, yeah, there, there are... Uh, Platinum Games, I feel like, loves that multi-genre sort of mashup thing. You, you got that a lot in Nier Automata, uh, and, and that is certainly still the case here because you are going to be controlling a lot of characters and a lot of different types of gameplay, and um, I, I don't know that they all work quite as well as... Uh, like equally as well, but I, you know, like I said, like I, it helps break up the monotony that character action games get into sometimes where it's just like, okay, well, I know my combos. I know how to like string shit together. It's not super hard for me to get the dodges off now. Uh, I, I, I feel like it is smart for them to break it up in the way that they have. Yeah, it's interesting, you know, I was talking about how it hasn't changed that much, but I actually like forgot because I uh, coming off of Astral Chain was the last Platinum game that I played, forgot that that stuff wasn't in two. So it is interesting that you, if you look at them all as sort of their own series, even though obviously they deal with d- different IP and different franchises, like they do build each, build on top There's of one another. There's a cumulative effect, yeah. I think, to how Platinum Games makes their games. And that's like, as someone who's, I think, played all of them, you know, I never played Metal Gear Rising, but as someone who's played all of them, like, it's it's cool to see that. Yeah. Uh, especially, like, I can't stress enough, like, Astral Chain was such a special, weird game, and to yeah. see some of that DNA here is, is exciting. I want to hear from you, Chris, because I feel like you haven't uh, sounded off, and you are, I feel like, the resident Platinum Games, like, uber fan. I'll be or very maybe you honest just like with Nier. you. I don't know. I didn't yeah. get to play nearly enough because my kid was sick this week and no, uh, he took control of the Switch for most of it. So I've played a fair amount, but not enough that I feel like I can speak to. The thing that I like about Platinum that you're talking about is is the like 20 hours in mark. <laughs> is mm. the like, oh, it's all starting to come together and I see what they're going for. And the gist that I was getting from this, and I'm curious for, for y'all who played more, is that it's not just the roller coaster vibe that I got with Bayonetta one and two. I, I, I really love Bayonetta two, but I, I made the um the Fast and the Furious comparison for a reason, which is it felt like a series of increasingly absurd like action sequences. In two. Um yeah, in two. Yeah. Rather than like, oh, it's doing what I like best about Platinum, which is the Astral Chains, oh, you have to do trick shots with trash cans or you have to collect the world's tallest ice cream cone or what's going on in Nier Automata. I think a lot of people don't like that about Platinum Games. That They often step away from the thing that they do best, which is the action to do all this goofiness. But that for me is like a huge part of the appeal. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited to get more time with this because I'm, I'm hoping that, again, they've had plenty of time to work on it, that it is doing more of that type of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I would uh, say it, it feels, yeah, in that way more experimental, I guess, with Bayonetta specifically. I I gotta also say, man alive, is this thing really top-loaded with a lot of cutscenes. Yeah, there's about wow. a half hour of, like, full-on... Yeah, it's like four hours of just, you are not necessary here. You can just go ahead and watch. That was that was rough. And, well, I, li- I, was, I like 
the tone of them. I like. I do. What I do like happens, them. I like. But I agree. I, they're they're like, uh, you know, Kojima esque in their length. And I wish, at the very least, I wish it was more a. Now you do two minutes of cutscenes. Now I do five minutes of gameplay. Now you do two minutes of cutscenes. Rather than, as Justin said, like the beginning the, of the game is really like a half hour long cutscene, which is crazy. Do you really want that though? Because then that just means like the rest of the game you'll be doing five minutes of gameplay. I mean, I don't so get in. honestly. I'd rather less in general. I just I like yeah. the tone of them. I just wish they were a little more selective in when they would appear because they'd have more impact. The cutscenes are fucking bonkers, and I didn't beat the game. But I did scrub ahead to the end, and I'm not going to spoil for people. But the end, yeah. especially, gets like so fucking funny and over the top and wild that, like, I applaud that. I just wish they were again a little more selective because I want to feel like I'm earning that stuff rather than I played for 15 minutes and now I have a half hour cutscene. Yeah, or 15 minute cutscene, whatever it is. It, it gets better than the beginning, which I agree is like crazy too much. Hmm. It is interesting. I, I will say something that I kind of dug about this, uh, especially early on. The uh, I kept waiting to like for it to get into a groove of like this is what a typical level is. This is how it's divided. This is the flow of it, um, and it doesn't seem to be that interested in doing that. Like it, it, it seems to adjust its pacing uh, pretty consistently. Like not just the pacing, but like the scale. Sometimes you'll be in more of like an open area sometimes it's more uh, focused or controlled but it kind of goes back and forth like that and the and the splits or like where you think of like chapters or levels or whatever or feel pretty organic and less sort of like video gamey structure yeah I, I think that's like a platinum game thing too where you can almost feel like them getting bored with ideas very quickly in their games and they rather have a bunch of things in a game and not all of them work than like I don't know, do the very kind of traditional AAA thing, which is you have one level and then you build on it and make it slightly better. And then you build on it and make it slightly better. And by the end, it's like the most refined version of where you started. I mean, it, it, that it's the Mario formula, right? Like it, it works for a reason, but I, I like that you're right. There, there's something more organic and, and kind of surprising when you play this sort of game. Um. I also just uh, wanted to mention uh, because I kind of ragged on it earlier, and I want to say the things that I did like um, the, the scale. I don't love how the camera handles the the shifting scale of like bayonetta sized to monster size, but I do like how they have uh, made her so mobile. Where like getting around these big arenas and like navigating around these big monsters, she feels capable of that, and I, I do like that where you can kind of like positioning is not a big problem you have a very effective like dash and then there's a flutter and all this stuff um and uh i like that part of it yeah no she's always been i think one of the more fluid characters they have which i think makes a big difference uh not uh, only just in combat but also just like getting around the world she's pretty quick i i just have a bonkers bit of trivia for us as we wrap up this section so the the first bayonetta came comes out in october 2009 right yep. and then uh this third one comes out right now the first version of call of duty modern warfare 2 comes out a week after the first bayonetta oh. the new version of call of duty modern warfare 2 comes out this week so basically in the span of time is really a flat circle yeah three bayonetta games call of duty 2 worked its way all the way back to just doing the thing all over again which is wild 
I mean, it's just a it's just a branding thing, right? <laughs> like, yeah. it's not a remake. Like, they just called it the same thing. No, I, I know, but I'm saying that we could even get to the point where they had done so many Call of Duties in yeah, the interim, true. where they were like, "Let's just do that again." Yeah, right, you it's know? time. It's time. We could get away with this. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's all the things that we know to say about Bayonetta three. <laughs> uh, it's a Bayonetta ass Bayonetta game. After uh, the break, we will come back and talk about so much more in the world of gaming. Maybe something a little bit scary. Y'all, you already know how much I love our sponsor of the week, Rocket Money. They make it so easy to get your personal finances on track, especially stop worrying about all these subscriptions that you have that you don't necessarily need. Keep the ones you want, get rid of the rest. Here's how it works. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. That might sound too good to be true. I have tried it myself on multiple different monthly payments I have and it's worked, which is incredible and so much easier than getting on the phone with all these companies and trying to wrangle this yourself. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. So cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash besties. That's rocketmoney.com slash besties rocketmoney.com slash besties this episode of the besties is sponsored by aura frames all right so you know there are a number of people in your life that are not necessarily the most technologically savvy i'm sure immediately names jump to your mind those are the sorts of people that you would say oh maybe they would want a digital picture room in their house but they wouldn't necessarily be able to like set it up and get it working and add new pictures and stuff like that. That is where Aura Frames comes in. It's a digital picture frame that allows you to basically upload any photos that you have directly to the frame. You don't need them to do any work. In fact, you could even set it all up before they even open the box. You have the account set up. You just have to connect it to their Wi-Fi. And once that's done, everything happens over the internet. So you can add new photos, you can do whatever you want, and it all works completely smoothly. I set it up for my grandmother, who's 95 years old. I set it up for my mom, who's 70 years old. And they both love their aura frames and they love seeing the pictures and new photos of the family all being added without them having to do anything. So I'd highly recommend it. I'm really, really happy with it. And right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code BESTIES. That's A-U-R-A frames.com, promo code BESTIES. Terms and conditions apply. Signalis is what I was... I, I downloaded and played like an hour of this on... It's really cool. It's a very it, cool game. Very cool. Um, uh, let me let me see if I could take a stab at like a pitch. Sure. And, um, because you're actually supposed to hit those with uh, bats. bats. Okay. Uh, <laughs> let me take a swing ideal. at this mm. pitch. 
Okay. Signalis is a survival horror game set in a sci-fi environment. Um, it, I guess, feels most similar to Resident Evil 1 and 2, the originals, not the reboots, insofar as, you know, it's very slow moving. You're moving from room to room. You've got very limited ammo. You've got an inventory that you use to, like, collect keys and solve not, puzzles. Not tank controls. Yeah, though. well, I was so going to mention that. So you, the, can, you can pick those, though. So even though moving around the world, you know, kind of feels the same pace as Resident Evil 1 and 2, the game is played from a kind of more of a top-down perspective, such that you have feel like you have way more control over where you're running at any given time, so that you can, like, as Justin said, like, not tank control so you can basically run in the direction you're pushing rather than not um i think that stuff is all cool and the, and and, I, and this is not a big difference but there's also not a third dimension to aim yeah you don't have so to go like, for headshots and stuff like that yeah it's just you're pointing a laser at a, at a and thing. there's a lock-on system and it's yeah right. um i think that's all cool i think the thing that like really sets this game apart is just aesthetically like does not ring a lot of bells that are familiar to me. Um, it feels like very much its own thing, which is like a mix between like an early PS1 era with like some like SNES era, like pixel art mixed with like modern day horror tropes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, I, w- I would say like there are three different art styles yeah. where mm-hmm. the, the core game is the like very grungy pixel art that we've seen in a lot of, post hotline miami it doesn't look anything like i'm trying to give a a a good comp what was that that game that you liked griffin um oh gosh jesus you know the game you liked the game i liked (laughs) it was like very pixely neon i think heart machine made it oh fucking hyper light drifter yeah yeah like it's kind of a a darker grimier version of that for the the main thing then there is our cutscenes, which are like very anime inspired um, but also kind of look like they were made, I don't know, like, like, a, like Metal Gear-ish. Yeah. A little bit, like, uh, close to, like, you know what, like, um, the cutscenes in one of the SNES Mega Man games, like halfway between the yeah. NES and SNES Mega Man, not, not, uh, between the two. And and then there are these first-person puzzle sequence, and Fresh mentioned I, the PS1 comparison. For me, they look like um, pre-rendered cgi photos that you would have in like puzzle games and on pc in the mid 90s yeah. it, it also, it also reminded me of um what was the game we played last year the card game horror game inscription inscription oh for yeah good call. yeah good call. reminded me of those sequences felt very inscription to me which was cool it's a weird fucking game but it, it feels like i was looking up like the developer to see if I knew their previous work, and at least on Steam, this is the only game that they've put out that they might have newly formed. Um, but it just feels so confident and polished, and I was just blown away by it. Yeah, it's very, uh, uh, it's very, it's a very smart um, enhancement of like Resident Evil, except, and I think you're seeing more and more of this, where like uh, as those franchises evolved, I think the a big focus on that was um, graphical fidelity mm-hmm. and audio fidelity presentation. Like, how do we make this feel modern uh, from a, a AV perspective? But I think that like this 
takes the bones of Resident Evil and modernizes in a way that's like just a little bit easier to live with. It just doesn't feel as um, archaic. Uh, and a lot of the like little edges are sanded off. Things like it doesn't take as long to get into a menu or it's a little bit snappier to to control and easier to aim. And, or like it'll tell you right on the map. I don't know if this is a Resident Evil 1 or 2 feature, but it'll tell you, hey, all these doors are locked. This door is locked, but you can find a key for it. Yeah. And so all that stuff is tracked in the menu, so you don't have to like take meticulous notes. But there are still, for the puzzle-solving elements, there are still like kind of cute, like read notes and figure out what the code is for this safe or whatever it is. Yeah, and some neat, like there's a, I did a little um, lock-picking minigame mm-hmm. that was like manually adjusting tumblers. Yeah. Um, that was actually fun. It was like, it was a fun little little take on it. And usually lockpicking mini games are not a highlight. Yeah. That, that I mean that's the thing, right? It, it's doing a lot of things that have been done elsewhere since the original Resident Evil, but it's doing them in new, just slightly new and inventive ways. The lockpicking thing comes to mind. Another thing I love in this game is it, the environmental storytelling that it's not doing the same thing with either, you know, like and here is just another voice diary or here's things written on the wall. Uh it it it's a lot of like paperwork that you're going through. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the earliest things you need to fight, figure out how to open a safe. And rather than it being like, oh, thank goodness, somebody wrote this on a notepad next to it. It's like, oh, no, you need to find the manual to figure out how to open this safe. Because, of course, that's where the actual reset code would be. Um, it, it's just very clever. Yeah. I also like they do some interesting storytelling stuff, like nonlinear, like jumping back and forth stuff. You know, I've talked about this before. I don't like horror games because I just get too creeped out. This feels like it's walking a good line because you are like somewhat removed because of that top down perspective that I don't feel like I'm totally paralyzed by fear. But it's hitting those notes of like, you know, creepy video footage and stuff like that, that that gives me again, inscription is similar in that way where I wasn't too scared by it, but I felt uh, at least emotionally moved by it. Yeah, uh, it seems very cool. I'm going to keep keep playing that. It was a nice... We talked about alternative games to play, and I made it uh, exactly five minutes into Modern Warfare 2. <laughs> and, <laughs> and said, I'm going to check out Signals. Yeah, I haven't touched That's the new no card. judgment on uh, Modern Warfare 2 that is completely about me and my tolerance for <laughs> just snuffing out human life willy-nilly <laughs> in, a, in a hyper-realistic fashion. Uh, how else have you guys been spending your, your game time this, this past week? We've still been struggling a lot with Gus's sleep. Uh, I've been spending a lot of time in the old rocking chair in the dark for, you know, 30, 40 minute stretches at a time, multiple times a night. And let me just say, Marvel Snap got in there and was like, don't worry, Griffin, I got you. Uh, Boy, howdy! I uh, I really like that game. It I know I said last week it didn't click with me, but now it has, and I'm at oh, like man. collection level like 130 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Cleared out most of the first card pool, and I've been like watching YouTube videos of like beginner deck builds, and it's man, it uh, I didn't know that this game was going to hook me in the same way that Hearthstone did, where I was doing that shit for Hearthstone, like buying lots of packs so that I could do these, you know, bananas decks that uh, were the meta at the time. But uh, yeah, Marvel Snap, man, good game. Very good uh, game. 
Yeah, um, I, I've also been playing a lot of Marvel Snap. It is so smart how hard they've condensed it to a thing where you actually could be in line for something and get through an entire match like in in three minutes. I mean, it's so fast. Um, and also the the uh, how small the deck size is really appeals to me because I'm not I'm not somebody who likes to build decks normally. Like I don't like to um, as much as I like deck building games. I don't like like a Hearthstone style where I'm having to put the deck to together myself. Uh, and what this does with the with the twelve cards, it's very manageable. Like yeah. it, it is, you have you don't have many different strategies. With a twelve card deck that you could pull out, what, what type like, of deck are y'all building, or is there like a, a card that you're building your decks around? Right. So there's there's different types of. We talked about the game last week, but you and your opponent lay down cards and then sort of reveal them at the end of the turn, and then they do either what their abilities are, or their interactions with other cards, or activate the abilities of the three different you know lanes that you are competing for. Uh, I have a deck that is built all around cards that have abilities that trigger when you reveal the card, called on-reveal cards. Uh, and so when you lay one down, maybe it has an on-reveal ability that if your opponent plays a card in the same lane in the same turn, it like you know vastly increases the uh, the the power of of that card that you played. Uh, and so those cards are like trying to guess how your opponent will play and then countering it. And then all of that culminates in the final turn if uh, if I if my hand draw if my card draw's been good with Odin, who is a card that then makes all those abilities trigger again. So it's like I am building my way toward that happening on the sixth turn. Uh, so it's it's kind of uh, it's hit or miss. Uh, I've won with it way, way more than I've lost. But if you don't draw Odin or if the different territories you're competing for aren't good for that type of deck, uh, yeah, then but if that's the case, you run away, you retreat, you don't lose a bunch of cubes, uh, which I think I, I was I was sort of confused, honestly, on how the snap mechanic worked last time we recorded. But now uh, I, I, I think it kind of is necessary for how quick the game is, because you'll have rounds where it's just like, well, I can't get anything going this time. I'm more, I actually like, I've started to see uh, more of like people using it in a meta way where they will, uh, snapping is sort of like upping the ante in, mm -hmm. in a poker sense, right? It's like, we're playing for cubes that show our ranking, but now I want to play for more cubes. And if you don't want to play for more cubes, you should quit. Because yeah. I'm about to really whip you down. I'm going to cube and you I, up. I, Yes. And so and, sometimes you'll get in a situation where like one of the lanes will reveal and it'll be like, play a random card from your hand and you'll play like a six cost card that is like an Uber card that normally you would play on the final turn, but now you're playing it here on turn two. Uh, and then you just snap and the opponent's like, okay, bye. I'm not going to yeah, win. Not, bye. It's very sad. But you can also bluff. <laughs> like you yeah. can get a card and then immediately snap. And then the person's like, well, I don't, because they have to call it before they see your reveal. So you, you really have to like make the decision like, I don't know, do they, they have something good? I don't know, we'll have to see. You don't want to snap too much because scaring people off does not get you many cubes. Right. People can leave early and they don't have to surrender nearly as much cubes. So if you want to get like a big eight cube game, you, you kind of have to like really to slow pull people it. into yeah. it. Yeah. So Griffin, uh, last yes. time we talked about this game, we were talking about the monetization. I think Plant indicated that the m monetization primarily, or at least 
early on was cosmetic based. Like you'd get these alt art for your cards and edges and they get more powerful and stuff like that. It sounds yeah. like you are beyond that level and are now in the in the meat of the monetization. Is that fair to say? So, yeah, I should make it clear. I've not spent a dime oh, okay. on, on, the, on the game. Uh, and I'm pretty far down the track. We, we, we kind of explained how progression worked. But basically, uh, the, when you upgrade your cards aesthetically, you, you unlock more collection levels. Yeah. And that sends you down a track that is how you unlock more cards, right? Uh, the monetization comes in where you can spend gold, which you can buy with cash, or you will unlock it just by completing, you know, various missions. And, uh, you know, if you complete a certain number of daily missions in the week, you get pretty big piles of, of gold. You can spend those on variants, right? So it's like, I've already unlocked Groot, but I can unlock a variant of Groot that then I can also upgrade aesthetically in tandem with the other Groot card that I have, right? And then that is just going to move me further down the collection level track a bit faster. And as you uh, as you go through that track, that's how you unlock more cards. So right. you're motivated to do that because like you you won't have you can't just go buy a pack of cards like you could in Hearthstone. Uh, and I'm pretty sure you can only buy variants of cards that you already own. If I'm not if I'm not mistaken, you can't just like I believe buy that's right, yeah. a new card that you that you want to get. Um I uh I did buy the they have a season pass. I just got to the to the once you complete the free season pass, which is like twenty levels and unlocks like a bunch of cards and mm -hmm. stuff like that. Then you get to the like real season pass that does cost ten bucks, I think. And what are you getting? Which I honestly, I'd been spending so much time playing this thing, I felt completely fine about. Wh what, know, what's it, in the season pass? You get Miles Morales like right from the jump, which is dope. Yeah, but it's more like a it's it's more of a quest progression chain to where you 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 keep getting rewards for completing quests sure. that you wouldn't if you didn't have the season pass. Like you you I I finished a bunch of base levels and then I was into this. So I've gotten Miles Morales, a lot of uh, a lot of upgrade points for him specifically and right. then some other like characters from the Spider-Verse, that kind of thing. It's all all themed around the symbiote invasion and it's, is it, the theme of this one. And it's one of those things where like the track, the like uh season pass track like gives you lots of gold and uh credits, which are the the uh currency that you spend to do those aesthetic upgrades for your cards. So it's like yeah, you know, the 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 value proposition, I mean uh, I agree with Juice. I've spent so much time playing the game. I think it's absolutely there. I, I've completed the season pass, or at least to the main point where you level fifty is where you get like the special Miles Morales card that they keep advertising for you. Damn! So you've and, played a lot of Miles yeah. I've, I've played a lot, and I'm I'm pretty sure that the gold that you get, and especially the credits that you get to spend on upgrades, is like a much better deal effectively than if you had just bought it outright. My my yes. only thing is, I, I will say. Where I'm at now, I think as far as a free-to-play game goes, so far, this is as good as it gets. It there, There's really not a lot of incentive to spend money for the first many, many hours, um, unless you really want those gold variant cards. Um, you kind of have more credits than you know what to do with in terms of upgrading cards for a very long chunk of time. But then you do get to a point where kind of these blue credits that help you upgrade things are not coming fast enough and 
you have cards just building up waiting to get upgraded and you can't upgrade them until you complete more activities. And if again, if you've run out of activities for the day or for the pass, that's where it's like, hey, if you want more activities, you can wait another three hours or you can spend some gold to get more <laughs> activities. Chris, Chris, as an outside observer, I may say that this is a a, a safety feature that Marvel <laughs> no, 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 no. To protect the Chris plants of the world. No, I, I agree. I, I think there's a lot of those safety features. I think not allowing you to buy cards is another one of those, right? That said, if you are a person who just wants to keep upgrading very, very fast and get all the cards... There is a way to do it, and the way to do it is to spend money. But again, there are safety checks on that. So another example I'll give is if you can upgrade some cards even without having to effectively play to use them, but yes. it only lets you upgrade, I believe, three a day. Um, for a and, it ta- and those do cost more credits than if you were to upgrade them the traditional, the traditional way. Honestly, it's one of those things where like, if you just play more, you will, you'll get, you'll get. It yeah, wants you to play more. Yeah, and that's the thing that I don't want to get lost in the shuffle. It, 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 for all this talk, and I think it is important anytime with a free to play game, but like, it's just really fun. Like, yeah. I don't feel guilty at all playing this as much as I have because I'm having such a good time. It every match is like wild and chaotic and absolutely bananas. Things happen. There's so many different locations where it's just like weird crap, like. All of your cards will be teleported away from here to another uh, square in round five. And it's like, well, crap. Yeah. (laughs) My plan for that and seeing like you and your opponent both kind of like adjust to it is uh, and all the the animations uh, for every card look awesome. Uh, I actually found in the menu where you can switch to uh, 60 frames per second if uh on the on the animations and they look even better they look fantastic it's like a joy to to look at and and to play i I also want to make it clear because i'm looking at the game right now we were talking about the season pass having to pay the 10 bucks for it there are a lot of spots on that season pass where the reward is free so like you don't Mm -hmm. have to like you can still get a lot of the rewards not the like big ones not the like cards for the most part but like you can get some of the rewards just by trekking your way down the the season yeah that's pretty common but that's good to see yeah i i I will also say in terms of the tasks that it gives you the season pass they they really did get me to like play the game in a new way that i loved it wasn't always to like win um but it's not full like the Fortnite thing of like go smash however many of these or go solve this puzzle that is kind of antithetical to a battle royale one example i'll give and this is a, a normal thing you'll have in dailies but you just had to do it way more with the season passes win 20 20 times win a lane with only one card and what i found was like oh i really will soup up a lane so that the opponent is afraid of it and then i will move everyone off on the final turn and then lay one card there so i end up like completely dominating all three lanes and then the opponent never plays anything on the lane that they thought was like basically already decided and then i'll wait out lane with like a two cost card they also another brilliant thing that they've done is every day i think or maybe several times a week they add new locations to the game that are like the different category the different sort of like abilities that the three lanes are imbued with right and then when they add a new one it is more likely that you will encounter that uh location when you play matches on that day so for example today 
they added a new, or maybe last night they added a new one called Machine World. And the ability there is when you play a card in Machine World, it adds a copy of the card you played right into the opponent's hand, which is like pretty, like, I don't know. I just loaded up the game and looked at that and I was like, I don't know how to fucking play that, man. Like, you don't want to play anything that's going to be like super good or super helpful there because then your opponent's going to get, and, and, and. I mean, they have added so many of those, and it really adds a a, a spice to the game that kind of makes me keep coming back to it we, just to see like what the different strategies can possibly be for these locations. We should have made the egg, a segment of this podcast. <laughs> 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 I, I enjoy Bayonetta three. I have played Marvel Snap, Snap nonstop, and I I cannot see taking it out of rotation of In on that my first phone. half hour of Bayonetta three. I played them both. <laughs> <laughs> I was covered. Um, um, I also want to say, if for my all my idle pals out there, if you're a kind of idle person, I I found a really nice one called Idle Acorns, and it looks really nice. You're just kind of shaking acorns out of a tree, and then you're meeting some forest friends who want you to help them out with different stuff, do a little fishing, do a little uh, uh, acorn harvesting. What I like about this one, you pay for it once and there's no microtransactions or anything like that such a rarity and there's like little hidden things where every once in a while you'll check in on your world to see how things are going and there'll be something just a little bit different a little bit weird a character showing up you never seen before stuff like that so idle acorns is the name of that one i played on ios and if you like idle games but get frustrated with how many of them are like Merge three dragons together for seven dollars. <laughs> this is like a good one. Uh, two seven- I have one million billion combat power. <laughs> is that Count uh, Dracula? No, it's the uh, it's like the, these. It's Eastern the commercials. Ads for, yeah, like these dragon merging games <laughs> where it's like you can't get into the party. You don't have a ten bazillion giga power, white dragon. <laughs> Uh, Juice, have you played enough? Uh, I I'm very curious about your journey into Binding of Isaac. Just oh, because did he I've, play it all? I've been playing it nonstop. Uh, I got yeah, I put it onto the uh, the Switch or sorry the uh, the Steam Deck, and it is very good. Oh. I, I tell you, you know, I had put some some decent time into it many years prior, mm. but I feel like the sense of like progression and structure now is so much more like a, akin to how I like to play games. Like these really focused challenges and a real sense of like learning something every time you play. It's great. Great, 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 great. That's a great game. And it is great. Uh, if you had got a steam deck to be able to just like pick it up for three minutes and do a run and then die and then curse Russ and, and <laughs> did, Isaac. Let's, and uh, let's, let's, we should play some co-op. I did that with Russ for the first time last week. It's a, it's a blast, man. Yeah, it's, it's a hoot. I gotta finish this one. I'm trying to do this one challenge where your shots, it's called Pac-Man. Yeah. And the shots like freeze in place as you're firing them. And then once you let go of the stick, they all. Yeah, that's, that's not a fun, that's not a fun mechanic. I just want to get it over. Well, what's you co you might be able to co-op. You might be able to co-op. You can co-op. I'm pretty sure you can co-op those challenges as well. So it actually playing. What do I need the dead weight for? I, I, I'm, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I don't need to carry you guys. That How's that help me strap you guys to my back? Carry you at the end of the level. I, I've I just started to unlock the, uh, there's like. The I guess in Repentance, maybe the most recent DLC, they added like B side versions of every character in the game that yeah. all have wild, wild like modifiers for the thing. Uh, well beyond like, oh, they start with this item. It's things like I just unlock. Uh, there's a character, I guess characters named Jacob and Esau. 
who are two characters you have to control at the same time. And it's, it's not, it's annoying. But their B-side character is, uh, Esau is dead. You're just Jacob. But after like 30 seconds, Esau appears in the level that you're in and just starts chasing you yep. to kill you. Uh, and you have to constantly be running away from your infernal demon brother. Uh, but the, you can bait him. Time. You so can that... bait him and use him as a weapon right. too because he does like a flaming chart. It, it, man, this may be one of my favorite games ever. I, I cannot am. stop playing this this video game for for the life of me. I uh, wish I could I see so... Fresh's face right now. I feel like the vindication must be... Oh, I, mean, it must be. I, I know you guys never wrote it off, but I, I'm glad that you are. I've dabbled in it. We actually wrote, it's more we wrote you right. off. It's <laughs> time. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, we got I, it. It's just. I played it a lot on Switch. It's just, it's honestly, it is this external item description mod. It is like. Yeah. Yeah, it really, it's, it's it really huge. is. I it, that's huge. The that's only, huge the only problem with this game is it is a bit like the VHS tape in the ring, where after you play it for a while, you start craving egg steam. Um, you start doing voices <laughs> of characters. Yeah, that's right. true. Sure. So I, I hope you are true. ready for that. Caveat emptor. <laughs> um, oh, uh, I, I, I was, I, I mentioned that I have had a sick kid all week, but uh, my wife and I gave each other couple hours out of the house um and i went and saw banshees of inisharan which nice um as somebody who loves martin mcdonough's plays he's the writer of this but has really disliked his movies he he wrote um just like in bruges in bruges okay uh and and then seven psychopaths is nah and then uh Three Billboards is one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Mm. Uh, I absolutely despise it. <laughs> I, I think I it, it should be it should be erased. Um, uh, really? Yes, I, yeah. I think it's like I, I think I, mean, it's, I didn't love it either. I just you're the oh, harass, oh, harass. I I, I yeah I, I really really dislike it. Um, and hey, here's the great thing: this movie is it turns out uh, him finishing a trilogy he had started as plays. And the movie itself feels quite literally like him looking back on everything he's done in movies and been like, ooh, maybe that was maybe that was bad. Maybe I should have just never done any of that and I should have stuck with what I was doing before. Um, and it's great. I absolutely love it. It's the happiest. I mean, it's not a happy movie, but I, I came out of the theater like giddy i just thrilled so i i really recommend people check it out yeah i'm very uh those movies i I, i've seen pretty much all his stuff and i like to know as little as possible going in apart from you know i know a baseline of there's going to be a lot of cursing and violence generally um but uh as a writer as a playwright he's certainly one of my favorites so very excited that's it Uh, we did it what's what's next oh i know what next week is oh Yeah. yeah We got yeah. a big one coming up next week. But first, let me thank the following people for writing reviews to the besties. Um, we have DB, we have Panda Bud, Thousand Autumns, and Grandpa Simon. Thank you for writing reviews for the besties on Apple Podcasts. Thank you to everyone else who has written reviews for the besties on Apple Podcasts. It is tremendously helpful. It makes me feel good in my heart when I see them. I appreciate it. If you haven't done it yet, please take your time and do it. And uh, yeah, maybe we'll shout your name out. What are we doing next week? The God of War is back for a second adventure. <laughs> this guy's getting another turn at the, the wheel. The second it's God, God of War game ever. God of War Ragnarok. And that is going to be next week's episode. Uh, can't wait to discuss that with you guys. And I hope you'll join us too. Until then, thanks so much for listening. And be sure to join us again next time for the besties. 
Because shouldn't the world's best friends pick the world's best games? Steve.